Welcome back, Vault Dwellers. Come on in and have a seat by the fire, and I'll pour you a glass of McGinty's Dwarven Whiskey to help with the cold winter chill. We've been adventuring together for some time now, and I've enjoyed sharing the story with you, but all good things must come to an end, and so it shall be with this campaign. Oh, don't worry, we're not quite done yet. I'd guess you still have a few unanswered questions, and I suppose it's high time we start clearing up a few matters. So today's episode marks the beginning of the end as we venture into the final chapters of the story. With the many arcs and the party split, it's been some time since our heroes have stood together, and I'm sure they have much to talk about. But what do you say first we take a look around the realm and see what's brewing elsewhere? Maybe even take a few peeks at what the villains have been up to. See if we can't shed some light on a few of those questions you keep asking. Though I think you might be more interested in seeing how a few allies have been spending their time. So before the clock winds down, Let's tie up a few loose threads. This is the Adventurer's Vault. Follow our epic journeys and hear amazing tales. Join our heroes as they bravely face grave dangers and mysterious evils in distant and unknown lands. Be sure to visit our website, theadventurersvault.com for episodes, links, and show notes. Music and sounds provided by Sirenscape. And now, it's time to open The Adventurer's Vault. The camera pans across rough waters. Dark clouds and shadowy fog obscure much of the scene. The camera slows as a blurry shore comes into view. You see a thin, sandy beach in front of a rocky coastline. Deposits of iron in the rocks have long given the beach a reddish hue. As the camera slows to a near halt, a sound arises above the din of the wind, the slow, familiar chanting of cultists. The view turns, and down the beach you begin to see nearly a dozen circles of chanting cultists. In the middle of each circle builds a bulbous cloud of negative energy. Several other robed figures wander the beach. Three of them stand next to the water. It takes a moment for the scene to focus. You see these three using magical energies to direct a dark crystal hovering over the water. Satisfied with their placement, the trio nods to another wandering cultist. He walks to one of the circles and pulls a knife from his robes. Walking behind one of the chanters, he pulls back the chanter's hood and plunges the dagger into his neck. With a jerk, the mortally wounded chanter slowly walks into the negative energy with blood gushing from his open neck. He lasts only seconds before falling to the ground. His precious lifeblood exits his body even faster, as though the negative energy were gulping it inwards. Bolstered by the sacrifice, the negative energy expands before bursting outward and arcs towards the crystal over the water. The crystal redirects the energy down into the water, filling the area with an inky black darkness. After a few heartbeats, the surface of the water erupts upwards in an explosion of darkness. As the water again settles and the energy dissipates, the camera settles on a form bobbing in the water. Slowly, a ship comes into view. An old, decrepit ship floats idly in the bay. As the camera pans back out, 
Just off to the side, you see another beam of energy and another ancient ship burst in the water. You realize that a fleet is being resurrected. Necromantic skeletal vessels resurrecting from their watery graves. We cut down the beach where you see a sturdy robed figure watching the scene unfold. Nearby, several cultists are working on a large, flattened rock. As the camera pans to the rock, we see them open a gilded chest and begin to remove well-preserved bones. They begin to methodically place the bones in their proper order on the flat rock, assembling a skeleton. Once complete, the large robed figure approaches and pulls back his hood. We see the green skin, grimly surveying all around him. He reaches into his robe and pulls out a ring emblazoned with the symbol of the El Jazim. He places the ring upon one of the skeletal fingers on the rock. Did this require a sacrifice, my lord? The greenskin replies, Yes. With a gleam in his eye and a twinge of a smile. The camera pans away towards the bay, saving the viewer the sight of such carnage, but not the sounds of the gleeful slaughter. form of the greenskin passes into view as he wipes blood from his hands. He watches as the pools of blood on the ground are swept away by magic and pulled towards the neatly placed skeleton. The greenskin grins. After a moment, a voice is heard from the altar. Where is my boy, greenskin? The time draws near, old friend. Your skills are in great need. You need to be patient only a little longer. And my ship? For that you need not wait. I will order it risen next. I thought you might like to be here for that part. Again, the camera flies over the sea, but this time calm and blue. As the view pans up, we see the familiar cliffs near Port Holbeck. Just ahead, a large fighting vessel slowly lumbers forward. Severe damage is obvious, as are the makeshift repairs required to move the ship at all. Slowly, ponderously, the wounded warriors slide into port. Shouts and calls from the ship in the port echo across the bay, befitting such a difficult docking. Standing silently on the dock, in contrast, to all the commotion stands Craven Carlyle. He stares intently at the stoic figure standing on the quarterdeck. With eyes monitoring her skilled crew, the captain of the vessel stands calmly amidst what is left of her command, seemingly oblivious to the bumps and bruises that mark her face. Finally, she notices the familiar face standing on the dock and walks to the rails. She takes off her tricorn hat and lets her long red locks flow in the breeze. Carlyle breathes a sigh of relief that only a father can. What have you done with my ship? Trying to clean up the mess my parents made. <sighs> yeah, I miss her too. Especially looking at you. Well, th those, those don't look like normal battle marks. I, I take it your scouting expedition ran into something interesting? Interesting? Sarcasm is my profession. You are supposed to handle the grim portents. A gangplank is let down, and Lucinda Clay walks down to her father. He pauses before leaning forward for a warm embrace. Lucinda for just a moment melts into her father's arms in a rare show of vulnerability. Several members of the crew stop to watch such a rare sight, but the moment and the embrace pass quickly. 
and a steely look from Lucinda sends the crew members scattering back to work, none daring to earn the ire of the Pirate Queen. The scene shifts forward to a short time later as Craven and Lucinda walk into Craven's office. Both settle into seats as Craven opens a bottle of wine. It was a god's damned Elder Kraken. Carlisle halts for a moment, a rare look of disbelief on his face. I always figured they were a myth. Sometimes. Well, Mother had a way of making myths seem reasonable, and not at the same time. It can only mean one thing. If they are awakening, then so is Raja. He must have sent it. His connection grows. And the mission? A success, though they all seem to come at too high of a cost anymore. So the ships, they're real? They were. And there is no doubt. The Indomitable, the Polycrest, and the Leopard I saw clearly. The others were difficult to identify, but these were ships of the Golden Fleet. They seemed to be held together by some dark energy. I was afraid of that. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't hurt you to share some things. Probably. I I had no idea it could be used this way. How, how many ships made it through? None. The Kraken made sure of that. We just barely survived ourselves. It was terrifying. The entire Shepherd Patrol just, just gone? When we found the ships, we attacked immediately. We were outnumbered and outmatched. I had hoped we could outsail them and sink them, but each ship was packed with orcs. They must have cleaned out Eviston. I'm afraid that was just one place. It appears an even larger force passed east of here and landed in the north. A patrol shadowed them as long as they could. I'm assuming it was riders. They would have spotted a ship. And as we learned the hard way, some of the denizens of the deep serve the darkness. Riders it was. The children are valuable allies, even though few in number. I guess we can be glad that the elder creatures have not all been corrupted. Still, this is a mighty loss. Had we not been thrown clear at the battle, well, you wouldn't be hearing this. Thrown? I hope to never see such a battle again. It is a testament to your shipwrights that we did not splinter completely. Instead, we had to watch helplessly as all perished. A berserking elder kraken? Well, I think I might rather it stayed a myth. I hope not, because I'll have another myth for you. Father, I am willing to see through this plan you and Mother put into motion. But she also tasked me with preserving the pirate nation. And to be honest, we're at risk of collapse now. We don't even have enough seaworthy ships to form a decent picket. The only thing saving us is that the opposition has also been pummeled into inaction. Even if I can bring the others back into the fold, I'm afraid that the pirate nation may lack the might to enforce its sovereignty. Yes, I, I am sorry that the early part of the war has rested so firmly on your shoulders, but I feel that things are soon to move ashore, which is why I need you to fetch me some dwarves. Dwarves? Has someone found the keys to unlock one of the hidey holes? Someone's? The someone's. Oh, how do you know? It's that thrice damned Templar. She came to me just a few hours ago. It frustrates me how much she knows. She must have a way of tracking them. But if the Assis can track avatars, then why have they not been doing that for centuries? I can only assume they have. That would mean... Yeah, yeah, it would. Shit. Shit, indeed. You have a plan for that? I do. 
going to share? No. You really are an arrogant asshole. Uh, now you do sound like your mother. <laughs> so if you want the dwarves, you must mean to attack. I do, though again it is the Templar's plan. She was quite insistent. Our allies are up to something and do not seem inclined to share their plans with me. Annoying, isn't it? The camera pans away as Carlisle opens another bottle of wine. The two continue their discussion as the scene fades away. The sound of footsteps fill the darkness. The strike of a match lights a small oil lamp and creates a glow of weak light. A figure clad in black stands in a stone chamber. A robed cultist hands in the lamp and urges the figure forward. The camera follows the gesture and leads us down a dark and dusty hallway made of ancient blocks. Steps echo down the hallway for a tedious amount of time until the figure passes through a gloomy doorway. The light of the lamp is nearly swallowed up by the size of the massive but mostly empty chamber. The camera pans around to view the ancient domed room in its entirety before settling on the front of the mysterious figure. Realization settles as we first see the many sheathed blades in double bandoliers and familiar armor as the shadows move and show us the face of Enthiel. Enthiel walks to the center of the chamber. On a simple stone plinth rests a human skull. Enthiel studies the skull with his eyes while carefully keeping his arms at his sides. Another set of footsteps approach. Why does he keep it in this chamber of all places? The second set of footsteps stop close by. It is a reminder and a warning to all of us. Oh? A warning? That even his closest servants are not to be trusted. So, the rumors are true. Gogolmark betrayed the cause. And was wholly and utterly destroyed for his actions. His soul was scattered, and this trophy is all that remains of our once great general. And you were his lieutenant, yes? It was I who discovered his plans and alerted the master. And that is how he became the right hand of the master? Taking the place of Gilgamar? A just reward for loyalty and competence? The master rewards results. Loyalty is irrelevant. Just ask Gilgamar here. <laughs> he is the past. The present is more important. Understand there have been more recent failings. And successes. But yes, war always has casualties. The Western fleet was not successful? Both fleets were lost. Ours was of little consequence. They were not meant to last forever. But the orcs of Iveston were lost as well. We will miss them in battle. But, but the Eastern fleet arrived intact, yes? Yes. I just came from there. They have arrived uncontested, but not unnoticed. The children of Raja keep watch. They are too few to be a threat. And with the pirate fleets neutralized, the coasts are open. For now. For now. The ships have already departed for a second offering. Our farms in Ilumar have mostly been eliminated. But the damsels and their fey friends, the farms in the south and Nimpash remain unnoticed. I've ordered them mostly emptied. 
mostly kobolds this time, but enough orcs and goblins to make a sufficient army. I sent them to Grongneck. A silent shadow enters the room, and a huge figure appears from seemingly nowhere. My brother is gone. Hello, old friend. Few can sneak up on me, and none of your size. I have no taste for your posturing and banter. Are we compromised? No. I was correct on the hunter's next course of action. So brother has been returned to the sickle, according to plan? No, the hunter chose to banish him. We knew that was a possibility. An unfortunate but acceptable loss. It was a needless waste of resources. The reservoirs are still at acceptable levels. The loss to resources was insignificant. Even after the ritual pulse? We used much raising the ships, and the pulse was needed to activate our sleeper agents. But yes, our strategic reserves are still plentiful. Our old good friend Gilgamark here succeeded in that task, at least. You mean your old friend? Yes. So many of my friends have suffered terrible fates. Shame, really. But you, my new friend, deserve a reward for your loyalty. And with Gronganok unavailable, you should take over his forces and lead them at New Hope. We need someone we trust to keep an eye on our friends there. The Master is sure that will be the site of the next battle. I will ensure success. I have no doubt you will follow the plan as Master predicts. You should leave straight away. I must look in on our guest. The camera follows a carriage down the busy streets of Kasserot City. With dark curtains blocking the windows, the otherwise nondescript transport goes unnoticed. The clop of horse hooves trudge onto the Divine Way, and eventually to the front gates of the Asmodian Estates. The guards take little notice and casually allow the carriage to pass. The camera pans around to the other side of the street, and to the entrance of the Estate of Dilmael. Sitting casually on a hewn log bench are three older and grizzled-looking humans each casually drinking from mugs of different make. Their gaze never leaves the gates of the Esmodian Estates, and no one seems to notice them. They must be getting desperate. Maybe, but this is the farthest we've ever made it. Nah, it gives me a headache every time they do it. It's like a week-long hangover. I thought hangovers were your specialty. Practically a private domain for your people. Yeah, well, a stiff drink would do you people some good. They got too damn stiff. They'd probably disown you if they could see you with a mug in your hand. From the side, a female steps from behind a group of trees and casually strolls forward. Oh look, here are the boys, sitting idly by, drinking and complaining. Ah, been a long time, milady. Too long, perhaps. Your insults have softened. <laughs> Taunting you children used to be fun, but it has grown tedious. Well, you are getting rather old. Perhaps you should sit and rest from your travel. 
Alas for balance. The ones I trust are barely capable, while those I trust the least rarely make the smallest of mistakes. Yeah, more nervous as well. Ever since they started cheating? Ever since they started cheating. Hey, they told us up front that this might happen. Damn technicalities. Still feels like cheating. Plenty of room on these benches. You would like to sit and stew with us. Fine. At least tell me someone brought some decent wine. <laughs> well, for that at least, you've come to the right place. The drudge of the day continues on. The busy people in carts passing up and down the Divine Way are none the wiser of the four figures now sitting on the hewn logs and bantering away. The lighting fades and we again see the dim-lit chamber of darkness, the seat of corruption. The greenskin stands staring at the skull of Gilgamark. Suddenly an otherworldly voice fills the chamber. Is our guest comfortable? Too comfortable. He means to be here, master. Yes. exits the chamber quickly and cautiously before striding down a long hallway. We see him walk with purpose, a rarely seen nervous look on his face. He steals himself before a door and with a deep breath puts a grin on his face before he unlocks the door. The camera pans around the small prison cell. The room inside is empty of all but a single soul. Pacing around the room staring at his feet with eyes darting wildly and muttering to himself, is the regent of Asmodeus. The regent looks up at the green skin with a face that shows no recognition. Suddenly, the regent wildly claps his hands. Hands to clap and eyes to see. Oh, what fun just to be me. The master knows your plan. I have sent reinforcements to New Hope. There we will have your avatars, and all four sources will be ours. The regent stops in place and cocks his head to the side as if listening to some distant sound. Little soldiers standing in a row, some stood straight and some stood so. The greenskin gives the regent a skeptical look and then leaves the room. He can still hear the regent muttering sing-songs in his cell as he locks the door. 
As the green skin passes back down the long hallway, we see his face return to one of concern and uncertainty. We return to Port Holbeck. As the camera quickly descends over the busy bay, crewmen and local craftsmen swarm over a large pirate ship. Actively repairing the heavily damaged ships, a Moonmaw trading vessel is being quickly unloaded by dock workers, with a third ship nearby awaiting its turn to offload cargo. A small bevy of people, including several town council members, can be seen speaking excitedly with the Moonmaw captain. You see Carlisle and Lucinda among them, trading a worried glance. The camera sweeps to the city streets. For a moment, the Temple of Asmodeus casts a shadow over the camera. With a sweep, the camera pans down around the side of the temple, stopping for a moment at the front door. All is quiet. A noise attracts the attention of the camera. It sweeps around. You see the Tartus encampment. Nearby is a flurry of activity. Stark contrast to the Asmodean calm. Three figures stand in the street in shining armor. The camera closes in and spins around the group. One is clearly Helandro Orissus, and another is General Anastasia, both paladins of Tartus. They're speaking to a third man with the appearance of a paladin, whose holy symbol marks him as a follower of Feed. Their demeanor seems friendly, but serious. A clank of swords and shields breaks the concentration of the scene, and the sweeping camera turns to a nearby field. Here groups can be seen training. Some practice swordplay, Others are drilling in formation, wielding shields and spears. A group shoots bows and arrows at nearby targets made of hay, and yet others can be found on the sidelines being fitted for armor. A nearby soldier with a battle hammer swings a mighty blow while his opponent raises his shield to block. The camera zooms in tight as the blow falls, and then the scene smash cuts to a different hammer, striking the finishing blow on a large nail. The tight shot zooms back out, and we see Rob Lancaster, sitting on a high wooden beam with sweat pouring from his brow. He inspects his work before looking around the site. Numerous laborers are hard at work on a large wooden framework to create a small roar of construction noises. A nearby cart is unloading freshly hewn timbers. A shady-looking figure approaches and looks up at Rob, who scurries to the ground. That'll be the only cart for today, boss, but they say they can have three tomorrow. Damn it, Craig! That's what I get for accepting a job for the Asmodians. If we can't get materials faster, there's no way we'll have this haul done in time to collect the bonus. Yeah, the contract stipulates the bonus is paid if the haul is completed before the dwarves arrive. No way they are here in just three weeks. Ah, sheep shit. That damn dark lady says the dwarves will be here on the 29th. So I guarantee you they will walk up those blasted steps on that day. She is scary. I mean, just a scary devil lady. Scary? Easy on the eyes is what she is. I uh, was hoping she would come by to inspect the site later. <laughs> she might. Heck, I'd pay good money to watch you take a shot. I got ten gold says she burns off your pecker with some hellfire. Yeah, we all got to go eventually. Uh, uh, you really think we'll get to see the dwarves? Heard they were as hard as rocks. I don't give a good damn if we see dwarves or not. I care about that bonus money. I was so much of our workforce off training for some worthless battle. I'm just not sure how we're going to get it done. Well, uh... There is that other thing we talked about. Nah, 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 nah. The less I know about that, the better. As long as your friend is footing the bill, I'd be more than happy to play dumb. Just stay clear of all those damn paladins around town these days. They can smell bullshit and you are covered in it plenty. 
Oh, that's what you pay me for. But you're right. You can hardly swing a dead kobold without uh, hitting a do-getter. Makes for rough working conditions for... <clears throat> mostly honest businessmen. Oh, yeah? Where do you find one of those? Oh, I'll let you know if I ever meet one. <laughs> I have no doubt. Yeah, really? Think a fight is coming? Yeah. Yeah, you can feel it in the air. Too many folks here itching for a scrap. <laughs> you gonna fight if it comes to it? Everything is a fight, my friend. Some just pay better than others. Now go get me them beams before I mistake you for a nail and smack you with my hammer. Oh, so scary. The camera pans away from the duo, pulls further into the sky. As the town below becomes smaller and smaller and clouds slowly obscure the ground below. The camera continues to pan across the sky above Faradun as the camera slowly floats northward. Time speeds up as the sun rises and sets several times. The camera finally begins to descend after another sunrise and flies back to the ground. The heavily wooded area fills the view. In the background, you see the eastern Gosel Tower. As the camera pans away, you see a small clearing and hear a cart come to a halt. In the clearing, you see several tall stacks of hewn timbers. Boots drop from the cart and walk to one of the stacks. The camera passes by and shows two large depressions on the ground. Obvious wagon wheel ruts have been freshly worn into ground by heavy loads. The camera pans around and shows the owner of the boots. It is Rasmus Bronstad. Climbing down from the cart behind him is his elderly father, Marcus Bronstad. Yeah, hey, uh, thought there were five stacks. Unless I've forgotten how to count, seems two are missing. <sighs> there were five stacks. Oh, 50 logs a stack, about 100 pounds a log. That, that many carts ought to be easy to track. Well, they tore up the ground plenty here. Used probably a dozen carts, but the tracks vanished at the edge of the clearing. Smells like druid magic to me, but I haven't noticed any tree huggers around town. Are you suggesting the enemy took them? Nah. Plenty of trees closer to their little town, and sounds like they got plenty of labor. No, I don't imagine they'd need anything from our little secret stash here. Well, if you know the answer to this riddle, speak up, old man. Well, I've spent many years trying to teach you all I know, but you got your mother's hard head. Who could have done this? Well, I don't think we need to look far. The snake in the grass is always closer than you think. So you think it is, Lady Avica? Well, look who decided to put a thinking cap on today. I mean, she's got the manpower, and she'd been crafty enough to frustrate old Craven. Wasn't aware she was a spellcaster, but she plays her cards pretty close to the vest. Not to mention a fair share of elven blood flowing through her icy veins. Not all elves are druids. And not all snakes bite, but it's safer to assume. So Lady Avica learns about our little stash here, and that Craven's been logging lands he ain't got rights to, and... Instead of raising a stink with the council, she decides to help herself to some of our hard work. The Bronstadt pair stops stare at the situation for a few moments. Three stacks gonna be enough? Yeah, it, sh it should. The men should be along shortly. Six trebuchets and one big-ass battering ram. I'll take at least three weeks to finish, give or take a few days. As long as the priestess delivers on her promise of dwarves, we should have plenty of hands to transport them and use them. Never thought I'd live long enough to see a dwarf. Gonna be mighty disappointed if they don't have those long beards and come with stout whiskey. Maybe they'll let you ride in the battering ram. <laughs> Not me. Fighting and sieging is a young bucks game. Someone needs to stay behind and keep an eye on the women folk. Uh-huh. You should be ashamed of yourself prowling around at your age, old man. 
All work and no play. Camera pans back and leaves the bronze stats looking outwards as a small column of laborers approach. Dawn approaches and a thick fog obscures the view. Much time has passed and the day of the great battle has arrived. Intermittent moonlight reveals the walls of New Hope just ahead. Orcs and humans and kobolds man the walls waiting for the approaching attack. Tension fills the air, but all is quiet. A noise begins to form and a small pinpoint of light appears in the sky. The dot quickly grows bigger as it flies closer. The defenders on the wall give shouts as the large flaming ball from a trebuchet descends upon the wall, splintering a section of the outer palisades to bits. Several more shots soar in nearby, damaging more of the walls and sending defenders flying. A large orc shouts orders and soldiers fill the gaps and clear debris. More shouts and calls can be heard in the distance, and then a roar of yells as the formation of attackers charge from the trees at the busted walls. The defenders of New Hope set to receive the charge. Terrifying shrieks pierce the air as several flying demons descend from the sky. A command from the charging attackers parts the formation away from the demons, and the soldiers seem all too happy to steer clear of such dreadful opponents. A horn blows and a small group of horses charge towards the gap in the demons. General Anastasia leads the charge with Halandra Orissus next to her. The demons brace for the paladin's charge. Several volleys of arrows from the attackers and defenders fill the air, nearly blotting out the first beam of the oncoming dawn. The battle for new hope has begun. A group of spellcasters from New Hope take to the walls and begin to hurl forth blasts of all four elements. Holding themselves back for just such a moment, casters on the attacking force step forward to counterspell the castings. Small groups of strong-armed youths on each side begin pitching alchemical items into the fray. The battlefield becomes chaos. Bursts and blasts, smoke and fire, sleet and snow fill the air to the point that all vision is obscured, and the roar of the battle builds to a deafening crescendo. Confusion sets and the sounds fade away. Silence falls over the battlefield as slowly the vision clears. Cheers begin to erupt from the walls of New Hope as they see the carnage they have wrought. Hundreds lay dead on the battlefield and many more wounded. Though the demons paced confused before the walls, sensing something amiss. Suddenly the scene changes and the cheers fade away. Slowly the dead and wounded fade into nothingness and the damage and battle scars seem to repair themselves or fade away as if they never existed. A small group of previously unseen spellcasters stand in front of the attacking force from Port Holbeck. They nod to the commanders and quietly pass back through the ranks to the rear of the battlefield. Their job is complete. The defenders of New Hope slowly come to realize the deception as the illusions fade from their vision and their minds. The assault so far was simply a feint, a well-designed trick so the defenders of New Hope would expend as many resources as possible. The work of a small but talented group of illusionists. Craven Carlisle can be seen nodding to hornblowers as they sound the signal for a controlled advance. The attacking force from Port Holbeck moves forward slowly as the defenders scramble to make new plans. Tension again fills the air as the battle for New Hope begins in earnest this time. A 
across Faradon, many leagues away. The region of Asmodeus sits calmly in his empty cell. Parry, thrust, boom, and blast. The battle again, but not the last. Babbling to himself, the regent paces for a moment before stopping to watch a small droplet of water form on the damp ceiling. Slowly, the droplet gains enough water to overcome the surface tension and begins to fall towards the ground. The regent stares intently at the droplet as it falls. Yet before his very eyes, the water begins to descend slower and slower before coming to a stop almost halfway to the floor. Oh dear, oh dear. So close this time, so close. But all good soldiers fall down. The regent shifts his gaze outwards as if viewing something far off and then begins to walk across his cell. As he does, his body seems to dematerialize into shadow until he disappears entirely, before gradually rematerializing hundreds of miles away, standing just inside the walls of New Hope. All is calm and quiet as the regent surveys everything around him. Everyone and everything is still, thousands of combatants motionless and frozen. Nothing moves and time has stopped. Slowly the regent walks into a nearby door and down a hallway. A few twists and turns later, he walks into a room. Inside the room are many bodies. Several unknown humans and orcs, along with two large beasts and four figures, we all know well. There amongst the carnage lie the unmoving bodies of Father Becker, Haytham, Roddy, and Asherian. Clearly dead from an epic battle, the sight reeks of blood, gore, and carnage. One other person stands inside the room. The diminutive form of Templar Rosanna stands just inside the doorway as the regent enters the room. We were so close this time. I thought we had it. A mighty battle, to say the least. These four continue to amaze me. Even though they had failed so many times? All the others have failed more. We are on the correct path. Just need to figure out the final steps. I'm not sure I know what to do next. I am... Considering activating an asset. Good heavens, no. You can't tell me what you plan to do next. Everything depends on it. He has figured out our tricks and had begun to see us. This little deception is the only thing saving us from ruin. Was I... Was I always the same each time? No. No one ever is. And the pact? Will the pact hold? Is there enough power left? Oh, we're quite too far down this path to worry about that now. I think... I think I know what changes to make. I will go back to the day these four return to Port Holbeck and try again. Maybe. Hopefully. For the last time. Doubtful, but such optimism from the Templar. My, my, you've come a long way. Now see if you can do the same for our four friends here. With that, the regent leaves the room, returns to his cell. Templar Rosanna takes a deep breath before she closes her eyes and pulls forth a small pocket watch. As she does, very far away, the pact hums to life and builds tremendous power. As it does, time begins to roll backwards in a blur. <laughs> As long as the priestess delivers on her promises to can hardly swing a dead crowbar without hitting the duke. How can we be sure? 
once again at the top of the stairs in Port Hallback, standing amongst a busy town. It is the day that four unlikely heroes return to Port Hallback, and both the forces of good and evil are preparing for an upcoming battle. And what happens now? Well, we're going to find out on the next episode of the Adventurer's Vault podcast. <laughs>